0: You know, we uh, look around in our world, and there are a lot of things that are happening. We think about Afghanistan, the lives that have been lost, and the tragedies that have occurred. We think about New Orleans. 16 years ago today to the day that Katrina hit that state and it appears that sometime today Ida will do the same and the devastation that occurs from that we come closer to home to family and friends who are ill who have lost loved ones and lost life. And it seems like there are a lot of things that are occurring around us that have the potential, the possibility of shaking our faith, of maybe even causing some people to question their faith. And we like to think and believe that our faith is strong. But reality says faith can be fragile. That it can be impacted and affected. And sometimes that happens because we haven't taken care of and nurtured our faith. Sometimes we have a faith. We believe in God and we accept His grace and mercy and His forgiveness and His salvation and, uh, and all of those things, but we don't maintain our faith. We don't, don't keep it on the front burner so that it is strengthened and made stronger and stronger and stronger as the days and weeks and months and years go by. And, and so suddenly we find ourselves facing something that challenges our faith, and our faith nearly isn't nearly as strong as we thought it might be. Hebrews chapter 12 shares with us several different things that are corrosive to our faith. Now that word corrosive, I, I think that's an interesting word, but the, the bottom line of corrosiveness is anything that can attack something else and cause it to be weakened or compromised or destroyed. That's corrosive. First thing that comes to our mind also when we think about corrosive is acid. Acid is corrosive. When we take acid and we apply it to certain things, it begins to break down and destroy the material makeup of those things till till eventually it's gone. There are things in this life, in the world in which we live, that are corrosive to our faith. They are things that attack and they slowly, little by little, begin to destroy, to break down, to tear apart the faith that we have. And so He calls us to be on the guard, to be conscious to be aware of these corrosive things, because very often it's not these major cataclysmic things that that cause us to lose our faith. It's the mundane. It's the little things. It's the small things, one by one, little by little. They, they seem to just eat away, corrosively destroying the makeup and the material of our faith and until eventually our faith is... Is significantly weakened. We know that this happens, and God's Word is clear. We're going to look in Hebrews 12, but let me read for you just a couple of verses out of Hebrews chapter 6. So if you've already turned to Hebrews 12, great. Leave your finger there. Turn back just a few pages to Hebrews chapter 6. And I want you to see what God's Word says there. Verses 4, 5, and 6. Listen to what He says. 4. "...in the case of those who have once been enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit." Okay? So who's he defining here? He's defining people who have been enlightened, people who have tasted of the heavenly gift, the heavenly gift of of God's grace and mercy through His Son Christ Jesus, and have been partakers of the Holy Spirit. They have received the power of the Holy Spirit." and have tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the age to come. He's talking about people, as I read that, these are pretty strong people. They've tasted of these things. They've been enlightened by these things. The the power of the Word of God is in their life. Then listen to verse 6. And then have fallen away. What? What? What did he just say? Wait a minute. In the case of those who have been enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift, who have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the age to come. I mean, this sounds like people who who have a strong faith. People who who have engaged in a relationship with the Lord, have been blessed with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 6 he says, and then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Wow! Wow! That's a powerful, powerful thought. That we are reading about people who have tasted of, who have been indwelled by, who have been empowered by, and then fallen away. And I have to to look and I have to ask myself the question and wonder what happened? What brought them to from verses four and five in the description that we hear of who these people are to verse six and that opening sentence and then have fallen away? What was the transition? Was it some major event? Was it some monumental thing that happened? Or, or was it more some of those little things that just begin to corrosively eat away at their faith? Little By little, by little, they weren't even aware. They didn't even know. And yet, it began to destroy the makeup and the material of the faith that they had. Hebrews chapter 12, and the whole chapter really speaks to this, but I want to focus in on today just a couple of verses. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Two things he says there. Verse 15, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. So those few verses give us some indication or some understanding or direction in regards to this idea of these corrosive things. There are many listed in Hebrews 12, I want to focus on three just quickly this morning. The first one is this, division. Division in the body of Christ. It's interesting as I travel and, uh, and in my work, I, I go to Missouri and Arkansas and recently Ariel and I went to to check on my folks and we were in Illinois and Indiana and Kentucky and, and so in, in the last 60 days, I've been in Several states and driving and places and passing by. And it's interesting to me when I see churches. How many different churches there are. And the division that happens in the body. The separation that occurs between one group of believers and another group of believers. And, and I particularly, I, I see that in all churches. I'm not, not, uh, not pulling them out. Individually, for any other reason than the fact that it's really easy to talk about, there is First Baptist Church, there is Second Baptist Church, there is Second Baptist Born Again Church, there is the Free Will Baptist, there is the uh, the, you know the Southern Baptist. I mean, you could go on and on all day and list all of the different types of Baptist. And I've seen these; the sign you drive by and see the sign, you say. Second Baptist Church. And you're just like, Second Baptist? What? Wait a minute, where did that come from? Second Baptist born again. You're like, what? wait a minute, so these weren't born again? but they... I mean, division in the body of Christ, in the family of God, in believers. And he says what? In verse 14, be at peace with all men. Well, be at peace with all men doesn't doesn't sound like all of this division that Satan uses to destroy a person's faith. That someone offends us. Someone disagrees with us. Someone hurts us in some way. Maybe intentionally or maybe completely unintentionally. But when we're hurt and we're offended or we disagree with someone, instead of trying to to forgive, instead of trying to resolve, instead of trying to work that out, that we would be at peace with all men. We have this tendency to let our pride begin to well up, and we've been hurt, and we've been offended, and and, uh, and we've disagreed with someone. And so we begin to gather our troops to stand on our side, and we are opposing those people on that side, and suddenly there becomes a division in the body of Christ there becomes this, this schism or this, uh, this, this, this cavern that opens up between people who were once believers, who once worked shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, hand in hand, and suddenly because of some offense or some hurt or some disagreement, we begin to choose sides and we pick up our sides and we are opposed. We are divided from others. And Satan uses that. He uses that to damage one's faith. He uses that to cause people to say, listen, if that's what being a Christian is about, if if the, the way those people fight and the disagreements they have, the vision they have, I don't want anything to do with that. And when they say that, it damages the body of Christ and it damages our faith. It begins to eat away at our faith and our trust and our belief. And we can say that it doesn't, but when the Scripture is clear about a call to be at peace with all men, when the Scripture is clear that we are to forgive others, when the Scripture is clear about what He has called us to do, so far as it depends upon us to live at peace with all people, and then we don't do that, that division, that pride, that, that thing has damaged our faith. It has affected and attacked us in some way. Second thing I see in that verse 14 that is a corrosiveness to our faith is worldliness. He speaks of sanctification. And sanctification is is holiness. Sanctification is, is a, a cleanliness in our relationship with the Lord. And that is opposite... Of worldliness It is a a fight It is an opposition And he says we are to pursue Holiness You understand what that means? That means we're to go after it relentlessly We are to do everything that we can To live in that, that Sanctification In that holiness In that purity In our relationship with the Lord And we are to be opposed To the things of this world If you want to Leave your finger there in twelve. We'll come back. There's one more that we want to look at. But if you want to turn back and and uh, just a few pages ahead and look in First John, so we're there in in Hebrews and uh, uh, we just go through uh, a couple of other books and we get to First John. Just a small section there, but I, I want us to look at at verse two or chapter two. I'm sorry uh, of John and uh, and a few verses beginning at verse fifteen. Listen to what he says. First John, not the Gospel of John, toward the end of the Bible. First, second, third John, Jude, and Revelation, right there at the end, chapter two, verse fifteen. He says this: Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, that's pretty clear. He didn't mince any words. He he didn't you know kind of make this uh, you know questionable or. Or hazy or unsure. If you love the world and the things of this world, the love of God can't be in you. Just just pretty plain. They are diabolically opposed to one another, is what he is saying. Read on with me. For all that is in the world, listen to this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. And also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. He says, worldliness begins to creep in. Doesn't seem to be too big of a thing. It's not not that big of an issue. It's just a small thing here and a small thing there. But they begin to creep in and it becomes corrosive to our faith. And he says, if, if we are... Loving the things of this world. If we are engaged in things of this world, then we are pushing God away. We are rejecting Him and His holiness and His righteousness and His sanctification if we are embracing the things of this world. And I want you to notice He he brings the things of this world into just basically three categories lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. The boastful pride of life. I've talked about this before. I believe that all sin in all of life can fall into those three categories. Lust of the flesh. What makes me feel good? Anything that makes me feel good. And I'm not saying anything that makes me feel good is sinful. But I'm saying that all sin that is sinful in regards to the flesh are, are the things that make me feel good. and And those things can can be something that we embrace because it makes me feel good. And so it becomes corrosive to our faith. Lust of the eyes. Anything that looks good. If it makes me feel good, if it looks good to me, if it's inviting, if it's, if it's alluring and drawing, if it looks good to me, not everything that looks good is sinful. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if it is sinful... Then it falls into what makes me feel good, what looks good to me, that draws me away, that takes my focus away from God. And then the boastful pride of life. What makes me look good to others. In fact, really, that's what Satan attacked Jesus with, didn't he, after the time of fasting? When, when, when Satan tempted him, he tempted him in three ways, didn't he? He said, what? Hey, I know you're hungry. Take these stones, turn them into bread. eat. What makes me feel good? Satisfies my belly because I'm hungry, right? He takes him up into a high place and he says, look at all these worlds, all these nations. All of this can be yours if you'll bow down. What? What looks good to me? Man, look at all of this. Doesn't it look amazing? Looks great, doesn't it? can be mine. can be yours if you fall down and worship me boastful pride of life. He said, listen, if you really are the Son of God, then just throw yourself down from the temple, and the angel will come down, and they'll swoop you up, and they'll rescue you, and no harm will become of you, and boy, everybody will know what, looks, what makes me look good to others. Everybody will know that you really are the Son of God. It's exactly how Satan tested Jesus after his fasting in the wilderness. What makes me feel good, what looks good to me, what makes me look good to others. And he said, these things are of the world. And if you're engaged and those things are what are drawing you and driving you in life, then he says the love of God can't be in you because you're engaged with the world. And worldliness begins to corrode and eat away. Third one is this, it's bitterness. Verse 15, he talks about the root of bitterness. Allowing bitterness to to start out as a small thing, and then it begins to grow and grow and grow. It's, uh, it, is, it may be even initially unrecognized or unseen. But left unattended, it grows and it will take over and ultimately destroy. It will choke out everything else, including our relationship with the Lord, if we let bitterness get a hold. The bitter, bitterness, the root of bitterness. At our house, and maybe you have this at your house too, I don't know. I'm I'm not a a plant guy. But we have a plant. It's a wild plant. It's not something you want. It's a wild plant. And, And I don't know what it is. It's got these orange roots to it. And it'll pop up. I mean, just a little bitty, nothing. just seems like, oh, that's just a little weed. That's just a little something. But if you get a hold of it and you want to pull it, that's just a little weed. I'll grab it and pull it and take care of it. It's been building for a long, long time because when you grab hold of it and you pull it, those little orange roots go everywhere, and they're attached to this little one and that little one and attached to this big one and this medium size. And the next thing you know, you're pulling roots and you're pulling roots and you're pulling roots, and this thing has scattered all over the flower bed, all over the yard, and you just look—it's just this one little plant, that big, just a couple little little leaves, nothing to it, right? But it's been growing. And it's been spreading. And it's been affecting everything around it. That's what these things do. Divisiveness, worldliness, and bitterness. They start out small, just a little thing, but they grow and they reach and they touch and they destroy everything they come in contact with. And He says to us today... Be careful about the things that are corrosive to your faith. Because as they peck away little by little and destroy your faith, the day will come that you will face something major. And the question is, if that corrosiveness has been eating away at your faith, will your faith be strong enough to stand the test? Well, This morning we're going to sing an invitation hymn.